0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Six games unbeaten comes to an end at Goodison Park for Everton tonight. Manchester United two, Everton one. Post match here with Ed, Matt Flusk, and Big Man on Campus, Keith Tomlin, who I am told by yourself, Keith, you have words for that game. Um, before I even kick us off on a topic, I want to hear some of them.
1: Um, I'm going to describe it in one word, and I've put this in our group chat earlier. For me, the, the overriding description of tonight is lazy. Um, I just I think there was nothing there was nothing dynamic whatsoever about Everton today. There was no press. It was very lethargic across there was no dynamism in the midfield. It just came across as a very lazy performance. Even the subs were sort of dragged out longer than they should have been. They should have like, they should have made the changes a lot sooner um especially the Calvert-Lewin one because he did give us a focal point up front whereas Mope I mean Mope tried he ran about a little bit tonight I don't think he ever mm-hmm. really affected the game in any positive or negative way rather than like when Calvert-Lewin came on he was a handful for them at the back mm-hmm. but yeah just just overall it was it was just all very very lazy and disappointing considering what we've built a bit of momentum on the back of is dynamic pressing active performances mm. where we're, we're very up in the faces and today it just wasn't there and I, I mean that was it that wasn't a great United side Yeah, we've seen great United sides come to Goodison and take us to pieces that was not a great United side that was a very beatable United side and we just didn't want it
0: Matt I think Keith mentioned two words uh dynamism and most importantly momentum um, you know you can talk about Everton coming into the game on the back of two consecutive wins you can talk about it being one where Man United come into it on the back of a and off an undoubtedly talented Manchester City team but I think in terms of generating momentum on the night Everton kind of did that for themselves within six minutes of Alex Uobi putting the ball into the back of the net and I think regardless of what you feel about the result now or how you felt about the game going into it three hours ago, the setup was there for Everton to really put their foot on the gas and take the initiative. And I think the, the frustration for most fans tonight will be that we got ourselves into that position and ultimately didn't capitalise on it when we were 1-0 ahead.
2: Yeah, and like, we were all there. Goodison was absolutely bouncing and rocking right up until that sucker punch, really, that... Little mistake in midfield and it just knocked the stuffing out of us and we never really recovered from it for the entire first half. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just like the the crowd got aggy. Like that's probably the the most whingy and like grumbly ever. Guderson since yeah. before our running last season. I mean, let's be honest, you can't really blame people. It was extremely frustrating at times. Um, mm-hmm. We did eventually build up some momentum, but fortunately it was from the 85th minute onwards. So yeah, it just never really was there for us. And the quite baffling four minutes of added
0: time just ran out too quickly. Ed, what did you expect from the game tonight? And how did that differ from what you actually saw on the field?
3: I'll be honest, I, I wasn't hugely surprised. And... I I must admit, I I have to disagree with Keith respectfully. I I don't think it was lazy today. There there was organisation, there was effort, I think in some cases it was belated, Um, and and what we really struggled with today was was lapses, mental lapses, um, and lapses on the ball really should have had better control over the ball. Um, I think what I would have expected a lot more of is us utilising the wide players. I think Grey was very effective when he was able to get the ball, came inside gordon was an absolute shadow unfortunately this yeah. evening it wasn't helped by the fact that too many of these out balls were against the fullbacks and when the fullbacks got the ball yeah united pressed across the wingers had no space they weren't getting anywhere um, i don't think we made use of uh, the, the wingers who could have been the focal point for us today um and, and there's also the fact that the the midfield we have a three we want to control the midfield and today i think Casemiro and Eriksen as good as they were mm-hmm. were given too much freedom yeah. uh, and that surprised me because one thing that Keith said that was absolutely bang on is we expect to be in the opponent's face we expect to make sure that they don't have the ball but they're facing backwards there were too many times where United players were able to turn look into the space and play the ball forwards yeah. and that's what cost us in the end
0: I think the the big thing that I heard a lot of kind of at half time and certainly after Man United's second goal and even into the second half where Everton kind of failed to turn the tide of the game was that we were giving Manchester United too much respect um, you know I think that's a very easy thing to say when you've got opposition players on on the other side who are very technically gifted and can, can very quickly make you look mediocre when you are chasing the game um, Matt is there an argument to say that Everton sat back too much in that second half and didn't really force the issue of, of getting back into the game and allowed Man United to almost coast through the game?
2: Yeah, absolutely yeah i was in his the way back to the trade station um for me that game stood out in all games this season the amount that we played out from the back yeah like i've seen graphs before today where something ridiculous like 95 percent of our goal kicks or kicks from the back have landed in the final third like it's just been get it up get it up get it up and for some reason the the game plan today was play it out from the back yeah and they just came on us straight away and if there's one team you want to be lumping it up to, it's the one with two centre-arms who haven't got five or eight between them.
0: Absolutely. I think, Keith, the, the, the thing that Matt's touched on there is that not only were Everton making this mistake early on in terms of, you know... We all accepted this season that was going to be way different from last year in terms of that whole pragmatism of let's just get points by any means possible, let's go route one, let's hit Calvert-Lewin, whatever it takes to earn points. It was always going to be a little bit different this year because Frank Lampard is ultimately trying to define what Everton are going to look like in years going forward. But There has to come a time for me where that kind of efficient nature of Everton has to come back in that know-how about how to get over the line against Man United at home for example who Matt rightly says they are the team who stereotypically are there for the taking aren't they they're the team that they've got a Short centre off. They look weak at the back. We've got Anana. We've got Calvert Lewin coming off the bench. They're the team that you get aggressive against. They're the team that you get direct against. And for me, it was all a little bit too little, too late in terms of how we changed that game. I, I think about the last seven or eight minutes of that game in terms of Everton really imposing themselves and, and possibly getting away back into the game. It wasn't pretty, rightly, um, but. Th- it was effective, and I feel like Everton were totally ineffective for a good 83, 84 minutes before that. I think
1: Lampard gets a lot of credit for how he set us up this season and how he is returning us to a team who do look to play that sort of ball-on-the-deck, pass-through-the-channels football. And it's, it's it's great to watch when it works. My one criticism I would have is... His he doesn't seem to have a plan B, or if he does have a plan B, he's too late to go to it. Um, whereas like the last sort of five, ten minutes there, we battered United, we had them penned in. Yeah. Why not why weren't we not doing that earlier? Why well, why did it wait until the eighty-fifth the minute before we started putting the pressure on them? And as much as like we have to we have to credit what he's done over the last few weeks, even Southampton last if you look at Southampton last week. He stuck to plan A. Even when they scored, we were still the better side. We were still the team yeah. on top. And we stuck to the plan, and it paid off. We deserved to win that game. We were a better side. Tonight, we were, we were second best mm. all over the park. From the minute we scored, basically, that, that first five minutes, we were very energetic. After that, we were very reactive. There was no, there was no sort of taking the game to United. Why did we not go to a plan B sooner? Like You might have a plan yeah. B, and as evidenced by the five last five minutes, the injury time, we did put them under a lot of pressure. But it's too little, too late. Go to it sooner. If you have to go long ball from 70 minutes, mm-hmm. do it. I think Throw your striker on and go long ball.
0: The frustration, to build on what you said there, is that if, if someone would have asked me... Uh, 10-6 to 6 tonight what an Everton victory looked like against Man United tonight everything that you said there would have been included you know aggression I appreciate it's not pretty but it's going route one it, it, it's accepting when something is not working and being able to adapt and, and being able to change and You know, seeing Jordan Pickford pass the ball out to Connor Cody seven or eight yards out from goal on 75, 80 minutes when Everton are clearly struggling in possession we're allowing a a, a faltering Man United to come on to us. That's where I thought that, you know, is it fair to say that Everton were a little bit tactically naive in that sense? I
1: don't mind them playing out from the back if you're going to do something with it.
0: But Southampton away is the time to do that.
1: The game, well, you've seen it work in, in previous games in that they've played out from the back and then they've played through the midfield three and the midfield three carry us 20, 30, 40 yards up the pitch Mm -hmm. that was where it broke down for me tonight so like the ball out to the back gets us moving quickly it gets us rather than right let's run everyone 70 yards upfield and lump it and it's a Mm 50-50 we're in control of the ball we're in control of our own destinies for want of a better phrase Mm -hmm soon as the ball went into that midfield, it died tonight, every time. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if there was a lack of movement ahead of the midfield Mm -hmm. or if it was just the midfield all had an off day. But I think noticeably when the ball went in the midfield, I reckon if you look at the stats, I might be well wrong, but from what I saw tonight, more times than often it came back they played it back to a fullback or back to a centre half, and we had to recycle and go again rather than trying to find that pass through the lines, find that dynamic pass out wide to a winger to split them in. You saw United executed it brilliantly in that they got the ball in the midfield and they played that ball in between the centre half and the fullback. Yeah. The, the, the slide, rule, slide rule ball in between the centre half and fullback. To get a winger to have a chance to get round the back it doesn't always work, but it puts the defence under pressure. We didn't. I don't think we did it once. Yeah. We played the ball when the wingers received the ball. They were 30, 40 yards deep. And let's be honest, neither Damari Gray nor Anthony Gordon have the dynamism to beat a man. They, they don't have the, the, the yeah. tricks with a, or the pace with a ball at the f- feet to beat a man and then get across in. <laughs> they have to have the ball in space to get that cross in.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think very often you find those players coming back inside and trying to link up with the fullback, back and unfortunately with Man United and the quality of, of player that they have, it, it all happens far too quick to react to, doesn't it? Yeah. You give the ball to Anthony, you give the ball to Ronaldo, as you said, Keith, in between the fullback back and the centre-half and there's only really one one outcome there. Um, Ed, Keith mentioned Everton's midfield three, um, yeah. We, we all know the three lads that we're talking about and they've been for me and for most Evertonians the origin of all things positive about Everton this season in Alex Swobie Amadou Anana, and Idris Gay, arguably two of the goals come direct from mistakes from those and I think one of those was, was really underutilised tonight in Amadou Anana. but if you're going to summarise the play of those three players in particular tonight how would you how would you sum that up? I, I
3: think there was a a lack of cohesion between them because one of the things we love about those three is on paper it is the perfect three you've got Gray yeah. the, the shuttle man the shield you've got Inanna who gets back to front you know he's, he's gangly he's difficult he wins the ball he plays it well and you've got a Wobi who sees those clever passes and that all works just fine but off the ball they did struggle to maintain the shape. And there were yeah. often occasions where mm-hmm. Garno was got too far forwards and he was too late coming back and Iwobi pushed himself wide and Nana had pushed up and there were gaps there. Um, yes, they did make mistakes that led to goals. It's concerning not just for the player who made the mistake but for the other two that they weren't covering for them. Yeah. Especially with Iwobi for the Ronaldo goal. He tried to beat a man It didn't work. That's fine. It happens all the time. He was in the United half. He's well within his rights to attempt that, it didn't work. It should not be his case where one pass can split the entire midfield once away we lost the yeah. ball and that's the problem we saw there, they were not working together very well as a unit. Uh, I think they lots and lots of positive stuff tonight, lots mm-hmm. of positive stuff on the ball. Uh, I think in the first half he was guilty of too many sloppy touches, too many loose balls, slipping a lot. Mm-hmm. But it, it's one of those things where yes, tonight, we're really frustrated. Lots of players were going. That was just not good enough. But we do have faith that they'll be better, and I think that's such a nice feeling compared to last season. When you look at the the black hole of the Everton midfield, yeah. If there was one, I still don't know if we found out. Um, there is a midfield this year, and they can do good things. That's what we're waiting for. It just didn't happen.
0: To me. So the the underutilisation I talk about with Anana would be, you know the comparison has been made with him and Marwan Fellaini and whether it's a lazy one or not I saw a man there tonight who needed to be utilised 15 to 20 yards further up the pitch um, you know he, he, he is more than capable of picking the ball up off the back four but far more so than Marouane Fellaini ever was for me, everything we've talked about in terms of being more direct and being more aggressive called for Amadou and Arna to be far closer to Neil Morpe or Dominic Calvert-Loon or whoever it was going forward. Matt, I think there was definitely room for that increase in physicality from Everton and he was always going to be the one to provide it, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah,
2: you only have to look it out the first corner we won. It was yeah. in the Gladys corner under me and the ball comes forward and he does this absolute thunderous... Thunder a shoulder barge. <laughs> it, it doesn't just knock the player off the ball. He knocks him into next week. It takes yeah. him about two hours to actually fall over because he's just rattling all over the place. And then he wins the corner and straight away he's there like that, like a Dragon Ball Z character like that.
3: <laughs> in <the Gladys>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely. Like, that was one of the few brighter moments for me in that second half. Like, but yeah, we, we should push him up like that mm. because that's what should, it's a performance. We should have done that whole game. He yeah. should have been throwing him up there, just doing what he does best, what he did against Southampton, just being an absolute pest, being a menace. A player who's very difficult for even the best centre-halves to play against because he's just so like big and physical and tall mm-hmm. and graceful, really. Not to give him too many you know negative dog-whistle comparisons, but yeah. he is, he's a graceful player. He's, he's not easily shoved off the ball and he he doesn't just lumber through mm. even though we call him a big galoot lovingly he doesn't lumber through he, he will carry the ball through and we should have used that more yeah. and I've, just, I've just shown them. That's the the heat map of our touches and Ed said about a black hole in midfield like what's that we we didn't have a single touch basically for the whole game in the front side of the centre circle it's just a complete all up the it's, wings and all in front of the goal it's, all get, the it's getting
0: more effective touches out of him for me I think he, he's always going to be that everywhere man for Everton you know any phase of play be it defensive or attacking he, he is in some way going to be involved but you know Southampton the, the goal for Conor Cody that, that's exactly where yeah. I want to see that guy getting into the box and breaking forward
1: I mean how do you do that goal that Conor Cody goal how do you defend that because unless you're Newcastle and you've got like the sort of giraffe humanoid Dan Byrne at the back you've yeah. got no one who can match him in the air
0: he should do be investigated like? for being 9 foot 3 by the way
1: yeah Despica- despicable neck on that man right <laughs> United, United today United today had a couple of borrowers at the back and we did not go aerial yes. once at them why not why not attack that
0: I think that, like, that's where the lash
1: the ball high into Lilliput and hope Gulliver does something good with it
0: that, that's where the frustration of the entire night comes for me and that you know mm-hmm. if, if someone tells you that Everton get beat 2-1 at home to Man United it's, it's not the, the world's most eternal shock but I, I think to, to see the 90 minutes that we saw unfold and to, to know the capabilities of this team and the individuals that we had in it yeah. that, that's where the frustration comes from me and that I feel like we've all walked away from Goodison Park and we, we haven't really got out of second game
1: Yeah I think you I think you touched on it earlier and it was absolutely spot on Everton were very tactically naive tonight because yeah. there was a game plan to win that game and they just did not even get close to executing it.
0: No, absolutely.
3: It, it, this is going to sound perverse, but I'm quite happy that we're in this position again when we're ready to punch walls because we're so frustrating. Yeah, that's fair. Just think about... Mm. I You've mean, got like, sicko we, mode, haven't you? I'm full sicko mode right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am pumped. We, you want another
0: relegation battle, don't you, Ed?
3: <laughs> yes! Yeah, why not? Uh, I love those pyros. But I'm, I mean, I'll go back to the well of last season again because it is an easy comparison to make. Every single defeat, we trudged out of Goodison. We were, yeah. we were down, we were downbeat. We lost. We knew we'd lost. We knew we deserved to lose and we couldn't see where we were getting it back. The difference today is we could tell where we could win the game. We could tell we had the capacity to win the game. we made too many mistakes and we failed and that's what's frustrating. But it does actually feel like we might improve on that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something that I'm taking away with me, so as much as my cats have been given 4-1 and stay out of booting range, <laughs> we'll get over it and I think we'll be ready for the next couple of games, ready to take it to the opponents. I'm still games coming up, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We've got Spurs next weekend and then I think the, the last remaining home game is Palace here at Goodison before the World and Cup and Newcastle, apologies, the yeah. Matt, um... Leicester Palace as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we've decided we play everyone twice. Um... <laughs> 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 Matt, I think the the summary of Everton's transfer window in the summer was that we spent a good forty eight weeks trying to re sign Adrisa Gay from Paris Saint Germain. We've seen him start three games now for Everton, um, and for my money, he's been at direct fault for two opposing goals. Yeah, is there a point whereby we start thinking is this the Adrisa Gana Gay? That we let go a few years ago, or is this just the realization of a player who ultimately did have his flaws then and will continue to have them now?
2: Oh, well, I was thinking about this like during the game when I was fuming at him. Like that last season, I remember when we did sell him, obviously we weren't delighted to see him go, but no one really saw it as a catastrophe. And no, I'm sure I you can delve fair. into the archives because I, I don't recall him having an absolutely you know barnstorming season in the last one, the season before. He was Mm. But the very last season And of course We were never going to Re-sign the player we had then Because it's been so many years Down the line Mm -hmm. You've got to accept the fact That we've given A six-figure weekly contract To a player who's 33 Who's coming off A spell at Paris Saint-Germain Where he never really Fully broke into the team Especially last year He was pretty much sidelined I made this point When we were in the race for him No one else was after him Yeah the only reason, the only reason we've gone and signed him, and, OK, the fee in the end was nominal and everything like that, that's fine, he's on a decent wedge. The only reason we went and signed him was because he played for us before. Yeah. No-one else was in the market, not even Forrest were in the market. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? that I mean,
0: that's saying something in the summer just gone.
2: So, like, I'm not, I'm not going to throw around that told you, Solis, but we need to, like... Recognize this is the situation that we created for ourselves, and this is the reality of it. But yeah. he, he was never going to be the you know, I mean, Alex Awobi is the player we expected to get from
0: Adjusicana Gay, isn't he? That's yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, think, you
0: know, and he, he gives you that added sort yeah. of and flexibility a, and, as well. And doesn't as me? the
2: season goes on, like, I wouldn't want to see him doing 90 minutes in every game, mainly because I don't believe he can do that. Mm. I'd rather see the likes of Tom Davis or we saw him today James Garner yeah. I thought he had a crack little cameo when he came on yeah yeah um, very energetic legging it everywhere very much the cliche of a footballer mm-hmm. with a point to prove yeah um, but yeah uh, it's just the mantra was and was this a brand's mantra young and hungry I or mean is that, is that a cop by Kev mantra <laughs> <laughs> but either way I think that's a good policy to have and We've broken that a little bit this summer with the signing, especially at the back. Mm-hmm. And that was out of necessity more than anything. But then the likes of Garner, you know, not a glamorous signing by any stretch. But yeah, young and hungry, Onana, the very definition. I want to see more of that because when you're, I mean, by the end of his contract, he's going to be like 34, 35. We're not, we're not really going to push on if we're relying on that for 90 minutes every week.
0: Mm. Keith, Edwin, a big big picture excuse me went a bit big picture in terms of talking about Everton in terms of their progression from last season you know not only in terms of how we all feel as fans about coming out from a game like that but I think just taking a step back from the squad in general in games like tonight where you may well feel a bit disappointed but for me the the worry isn't there collectively tonight like we had in certain games last season and I think there's very few individual worries that I have about the Everton team at the moment. The one worry I did have tonight was in Anthony Gordon, I'll be honest. Um, I'm always a sceptic about a player who has had so much transfer talk about him in any window, be it the summer or in the January window. And my concern is that we come off the back of... This summer and off the back of a couple of very good Anthony Gordon performances earlier in the summer when he was arguably still trying to earn a move. And I think, you know, I think it would be a very naive Evertonian to suggest that he wasn't at least slightly interested in a move away from Goodison Park. Is there a part of you that watches performances like that tonight where, do you know what, I'll I'll be totally honest and say I think he hid at times tonight, and that is the ultimate crime for any footballer, regardless of... Position, or you know, we all obviously have a a honing for Everton. Any Everton footballer should not hide from play, hide from the ball. I think he did that at times tonight, and I only think he really came alive in the the ten minutes before coming off because he thought he was coming off. Um, Am I being incredibly harsh here, or you know, is is this a genuine concern about Gordon and, and the future that he potentially has with Everton?
1: I'm not sure. I agree with him having hidden. What I will say is, he was very ineffectual when he had the ball. Yeah. And I don't think, as a team, we utilised him or got him the ball in dangerous enough areas. He got the. Every time he seemed to pick the ball up, he was quite deep. He was almost on halfway. Yeah. And for him to play his game, Anthony Gordon's game, as far as I can ascertain is playing along that last line. Give him the ball level with the line of defence and let him do something with it. Or play him off the shoulder and slip him in behind, either to get a shot away or a cross away. Yeah. Anthony Gordon is not going to affect a game from 40 yards from goal, ever.
0: But it is, is he's that... not
1: good enough. He's not a good enough footballer to do that yet. He might be eventually, but he's not right now. He doesn't have the same level as say like a Harvey Barnes type footballer who will run at a full back put them on the back Mm -hmm. foot take them on and get a cross in that's not his game his game is best played off the the shoulder and we didn't use that we we didn't play it and now whether or not that's him not getting in the positions or Everton just weren't good enough to get him in the positions tonight I don't know Mm. I don't. like being touched on. We're not going to see those same offers again. If, if those offers were real, now obviously we hear speculation yes. on
2: yeah.
1: amounts of bids and the 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 makeup of a bid. Like, yeah. So you the, the the newspapers will report a sixty million bid. What's actually gone in is a twenty million pound bid. Twenty million pound of England when the World Cup. And then a further twenty million pound of Chelsea win like the Champions League, League Cup, and the boat race in the same year. <laughs> so it's all very it's we don't all we see is the tabloid figure. Yes. And people say, why have we turned down sixty million? Let's get this out there now. Everton did not turn down sixty million pounds for Anthony Gordon at any point this summer. Let's be completely blunt about that. Mm-hmm. Despite whatever sort of rumour mongers or ITKs or put Alan Myers and his tea party are putting out there that is not a figure that Everton Football Club were offered at any point this yeah. summer right so Everton have turned down probably at most what would have been worth 40 million pounds to the club mm-hmm. which is quite right for a young player who they see as the future who they've just made the number 10 and who they've just, he's, he's not long signed a new contract, he's on a long-term deal. Why would they sell him off for cheap if they think they can, they can build around him? Now, for whatever reason, this season it hasn't happened. He's had a couple of bright moments, Leads away. He was brilliant at leads away. Southampton last week, when he came on, <coughs> he, was, he, was, he affected the yeah. game positively. He's yet to put together a zero to 90 performance of a high level.
0: Yeah, I think that's
1: fair. And what I will caveat that with is he is a young player. Mm -hmm. He's played, starting-wise, probably, what, 30, 40 games, tops in his career as a starter. Mm -hmm. That's still very, very young in a winger's career. If you're expecting someone to come in and completely change the game... That's still an early stage of his career. And he will do it occasionally. He will spark occasionally. But to expect him to do it week in, week out, it's not going to happen. He's not a wonder kid. He's not a world-class footballer. He has the potential to be a very good footballer. But Everton have to be clever. Everton have to play to his strengths to do that. Mm. And tonight they haven't played to his strengths. And as a result, he's looked like a pale comparison of... The player that we think he can be
0: mm-hmm. no I think that's fair um, Ed is he a player who concerns you
3: somewhat I, I think there, there, there are moments and, and there are games where he does play brilliantly you know Brentford and Leeds he was superb in the position that he played uh, I, I think there's a, a concern over his decision making there's a concern over his physicality he was bullied by that sausage roll fiend Luke Shaw today um, he just could not beat him at all Which was a, a major issue And yes, for him, he is young you, you can't expect him to do things every week But it's a Premier League yeah. team We're playing teams like Manchester United This is Manchester United we're talking about You know, you, you can't turn off Like Roy um, Keane Yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, you, you can't, you can't not turn off this Because it's Manchester United we're talking about <laughs> <you know>? um, <coughs> But um, that, that, that is a problem and it's something that we we need to consider for future games if we don't have a player there who we can count on for at least 70 minutes yeah. should he be starting matches and there's an argument he'd be quite an effective substitute you know it seemed that way against Southampton. Dwight McNeil putting the yards beforehand Dwight McNeil's the sort of player who will run a lot to so run himself into the ground so maybe Gordon's a good replacement man uh, but that decision needs to be made kind of quickly as well I think There's a question mark as well over the striker position. I'll give Neil Mopé his credit. He's worked very, very hard in his Mm -hmm. first few games. He did grab himself a goal. He has looked really good. Can he cause the sort of chaos that we need from the centre-forward? Yeah. I'm not sure, I Mm -hmm. think. Not on his own. Not on his own is exactly right. I think when Calvert-Lewin came on, there was a small period of time there together and the dynamic changed and it looked dangerous. One of them flicking on for the other, one of them running in behind off the other. So I think we need to make very clear decisions about the attacking players who's going to have that impact for us because we're not creating enough quality chances Mm -hmm. to be able to waste them. So we need players who we know are going to get in those right positions, they're going to take those chances. Uh, And at the moment Gordon isn't one. Hopefully Dominic Caller-Lewin is one Mm -hmm. now that he's back. And I think above the defensive midfield that's where I'm a little bit unsure because once again we're not really scoring goals to a huge degree and playing the sides like Newcastle Tottenham, even Palace maybe, you're probably going to need to score two goals to
0: Yeah, I think you know if we, if we talk about successful Everton forward lines in recent years we've always had that kind of central marksman to to kind of pin our targets on, haven't we? We've had Calvert-Lewin, we've had Lukaku, we've had someone who the entire team kind of pivots around that, that central fulcrum and Neil Morpe doesn't really give me those vibes in terms of being that, that main man who we all look to as being the consistent 20-30 game of season yeah. central striker who gets 20 goals, does he? He's, he's the
3: little horror, isn't he? He's the Stephen Naismith. Do you, the in, in that sense...
0: Him. I don't you think know, he was signed to be well, it, yeah, that. Well, that was going to be my point in terms of if you've got Calvert-Learn coming back and I think he, you could sense the relief tonight. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not just on a individual game basis but maybe in a, in a general term as well we had 39,000 people incredibly relieved to see this guy back on a football pitch yeah. I think it's purely just because the, he's someone who knows how to put the ball in the back of the net and I think you know Neil Morpé the, the stats won't back anyone up in terms of saying he's a prolific goal scorer but I think you're right Ed in the sense that you kind of push him more towards a, a Richarlison figure of someone who He'll be doing well to get into double figures, but ultimately he is there to cause chaos for opposition back lines. And you know, I, I don't think Calvert-Lewin is necessarily that, that boisterous of a figure. He's not necessarily going to be working the lines and working quite as hard as Neil Morpé, but he, he probably is going to put the ball in the back of the net twice as many times. And I think, Matt, if we, if we were talking about Calvert-Lewin and his return tonight... You know, looking ahead to the games that we spoke about earlier going into the start of the World Cup, is he someone who automatically comes in now because he is quite simply the best central striker that Everton have? Yeah. Simple as that, yeah. Um, I think if if we're
2: considering leaving him on the bench and only bringing him in for 15, 20 minutes or whatever, I think that's, like, that would be Pep Guardiola behaviour in the sense of trying to play 4D chess. yeah. You play your best plays. It's as simple as that. I, yeah. Let's just. That's all I got to say. Isn't it? Yeah. He starts every game when he's fit.
3: And that's it. I mean, five ten minutes into the second half, we were starting to get some crosses in there with no one on the end of them. Mm-hmm. We were starting to put that pressure on. That was the moment there to capitalise to go right. Dominic Calvert-Lewin needs to be on the pitch now because we are creating these chances, and it just didn't happen. Um, I think Mope. Hopefully, he can score seven eight goals. If you can get above 10, and amazing, but yeah. if we can get a few. I, I think the, the blueprint for our success is, I always look back at, Correct. someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the 87 league winning side didn't have any players who scored in double figures. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of team we have. We don't have the players who will score your big, your 15, 20 goals, but can you have lots of players scoring a decent number of goals? Yeah. We've got one from the midfield, thanks to a woe tonight. Gordon's got a couple. Mopay's on the score sheet now. We've got one from the back. It's not quite coming together yet. And that's what we need, as well as Calvert lewin Go on, Keith. Sorry. I'm going to correct you
1: because oh, you're wrong. Uh, Trevor Stevens scored 14 league goals that season. Well, there you
3: go. Th-
0: this, all sound, this all sounds very Steve Walsh spreading the goals around.
3: Yeah, I think that's what we need to do at this stage. And I mean, please don't compare me to Steve Walsh. I <laughs> don't think I've deserved that. Um, take your briefcase to Milan <laughs> strut your I'm, stuff inwards. I'm, I'm off to get some prosciutto to department. see you later everybody <laughs> But that's... Oh, I couldn't have
1: go for a food oh, a, could, a charcuterie oh, right oh, now oh, a charcuterie would set be off
3: perfect. that would, that would really turn even around
1: the Denby Castle podcast post match if there was a charcuterie involved <laughs> would just be next level
3: podcasting wouldn't it yeah, so <laughs>
1: cured, that must... cured meats olives cheeses <laughs>
3: while we talk about Everton misery yeah what, what, what I want is more goals and more danger from Everton than more Parmigiano <laughs> yeah. um,
0: and that's ultimately your post-match sponsored by Parma ham um, <laughs> Everton
3: and Underberg,
0: <laughs> and Underberg, of course um, equally tasty as the Parma ham um, lads it's not the, the result we wanted it's not the performance that we wanted but I think we're all collectively happier and Healthier in terms of the situation that we are in last season. Um, Matt, before we round up, I'm going to leave the final word to yourself.
2: Let us never, ever have a Sunday night game ever again. Does, does anyone here
0: know why this happened? That's the
1: worst. Yes. That is the worst kickoff time I have ever experienced watching Premier League football. I don't know
0: what day it is. That
1: was horrendous. Can <laughs> I include 12 o'clock? at Crystal Palace away in the top <laughs> which nearly caused the death of certain Blue Room members this is genuinely the worst kickoff time I've ever experienced it's horrendous don't ever let it happen again
2: Matthew seemed aggrieved the reason it happened was because BT Sport picked it for telly and they only have two slots half twelve Saturday seven o'clock Sunday and Man United in the Europa Farmers Europa yeah one of them but they picked the game before they got to the groups so it got knocked it's all it is. I mean, Hopefully it'll never
0: happen again. Absolutely not. Um, if it's going to end in results and forlorn pods like this, then I'm happy for it never to happen again. But to Ed...
1: I think this hasn't been a bad pod. This is like we've had worse pods. We've
0: we've had to. Oh talk- god! Oh god! We've had we worse had pods. To talk
1: people down from the ledge before <laughs> on a pod. This I think that- been, we're, we're relatively sort of. I, yeah. think, I think we've, we've, got a, we've got a perspective on yes. where Everton are right now. Yeah, and I think that... Compared to where Everton were 12 months ago, 6 months ago. It's... There's progress, and you can see there is progress. But we are going to have setbacks like this. What we cannot do is let setbacks like this let the rock creep back in.
0: Well, I would... You know, everything that you've just said there in terms of there's that there's that kind of promise I know that people have very loosely talked about the seventeen team being involved in some form of European competition push this season that, that for me and I think for most of us is a bit too premature but yeah. it, it almost feels as though you can kind of see that promise through the glass ceiling but everyone's fully aware that that's not within the realm of reality this season I'd, I think is that fair? Yeah
3: it is fair I think that feeling of optimism permeated today you know final whistle Gladys was still singing. Yeah, the, the players and, and Frank Lampard weren't hiding. They came straight over to applaud, and you know we applauded back. And there, there was a mutual understanding that, yes, we should have been better, but we can be better. And I, I think that's, that's the pervading feeling, that there, there's still more to come, and I'm not hugely worried. If we finish 12th, 13th this year, yeah, it's nothing to celebrate, but it's comfortable. It's a, it's a foundation to go yeah. off, and it's so much better than last season. And hopefully, we can have a few more happy pods. Good news about the Sharky 3. Apart from that, maybe a little bit on the sad side, but I, I think there's still more to come and more to look forward to.
0: Absolutely. Up the toffees, up the cured meats. Thanks to Ed, Martin, Keith. On to Spurs. Thanks for listening.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.